I think this is the team members that every wedding filmmaker needs. A lawyer. Everyone needs a lawyer. Get a lawyer early in your business. Establish that relationship. A good second shooter. Someone who you can count on to help you shoot weddings. And then I think a CPA. Those three things at least. Team building is essential to every single wedding filmmaking business. And to change your thinking a little bit, like not who are my employees. No, that isn't essential to every wedding filmmaking business, but team it. Let me get right in my bag. Uh, why you gonna try to get mad? Uh, everybody wanna keep up. Don't uh, you know I'm moving too fast? Uh, I'ma zip zip right past. Uh, drip drip all on my swag. Uh, What's up, wedding filmmakers? Welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared, and welcome to another great episode. We uh, are finishing up our series called Why Your Business Plan Sucks. Once again, I'm joined by Mr. Jason McCutcheon in the house, and um, we're wrapping it up um, with a bang, if you could say, because this is one of my most favorite topics. What are we talking about today? Talking about team building. We're talking about just one of the essential parts of a business plan is team. And I'm hopefully we're going to give you just some insight into how every single wedding business has a team. There's no such thing as a business that's totally solo. But before we get into that, 2021 is rolling and we're shooting weddings again. How has that been for you? It's been uh, it's been great. It's been challenging. I feel mad rusty, but overall, um, I just love being around people. And this weekend was the first weekend in Massachusetts and Rhode Island that we could shoot without masks. And I originally thought, like, oh yeah, like the guests will be without masks, and all the vendors will will be. It's going to be all up with masks. Everyone will be uptight. And and here in the Northeast, it hasn't been that way. Everyone's just like, dude, we do not <laughs> care. Like, no one cares anymore in the Northeast, apparently. So. Um, these are all good things and we can just get back to real life and real weddings and faces uh, on camera faces on camera, which is, yeah, a big deal. It's actually way more, uh, enjoy it is way more enjoyable to film. It br brings me much more reward thinking like, Oh, I can make a wedding film that isn't just going to take people out of the moment to make them think like, Oh, that was a COVID. Remember moment. that Ugh. pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. Remember that super sad, depressing time in the world that like millions of people died and that's yeah. why everyone's wearing masks? Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This wedding film that I'm watching. Oh, great. Well, the, the, this idea of like, I mean, we're getting a little high concept, but like this idea that like we have an entire crop of weddings that are immediately dated. Yes. Versus most of the wedding films we've ever shot where you're kind of can tell when they were made, but they're kind of timeless. Like, yeah. It kind of just like it's about the vibe. Well, as wedding filmmakers, our whole job is to focus the audience audience's attention on what we're trying to convey, right? And so it's like all about eliminating distractions. And when people are wearing masks, it's just like such a glaring distraction that's so irritating. If you love masks, by the way, and you're listening to this, probably not the your favorite podcast you're gonna love, but mask we, mask lovers, uh, beware. I would say. I, if you're more comfortable wearing masks, great. I don't dissuade that. <laughs> but you cannot convince me that a mask is better for film. It doesn't look better on camera, and that's Jay, what we're talking about. You're wrong, and YouTube is going to take this down. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, I will say the other thing is a full dance floor was like that missing element in your films of people actually oh, freaking rocking and rolling. I know. I felt like all the weddings that we made in the last year have been like – Two minutes short. <laughs> yeah, what do you do story-wise where there's like you just see one person dancing by themselves? The key is you just throw everything in slow motion. That's yeah. the key. Lots of slow motion last year. Bobby Burns has just been pissed. Yeah. So Too much slow-mo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been interesting. So, hey, I'm glad to get back to work. Um, it's been awesome. 
we have um, a great topic today. Before we get into it, I um, just wanted to remind you guys we have a great team member on our team and someone that you can put on your team and no backlog. Um, they are a great editing partner. If you're looking for editing outsourcing because you're getting slammed by 2021 weddings, um, head over to nobacklog.com. We have a, a code which will appear on screen and also it's WFS10 if you want to get 10% off your first order. Uh, they're great partners. Uh, Jason's part of what we do around here in Wedding Film School. He's on the show a couple times and um, they're great partners. So if you're looking for editing, outsourcing, head over to No Backlog and get started today. Okay, so so before we really dive in, I just want to make sure that people aren't very scared of this topic because I think when people automatically talk about team building, they're automatically assuming scale model, like big business. I don't want a secretary. I just want to do my art and be left alone. Right? I don't want to be responsible for people. And our counter to that would be relax, <laughs> take a chill pill, because we're going to talk through the different levels of, of teams, right? You don't necessarily have to have a studio model to have a team, you yes. know, a team can include a bunch of different types of people. So uh, really excited. Um, and, and I would say to run a successful business, you need to be able to assemble a successful team, no matter what you can't run solo. And by the way, how many times do we talk to people who do run solo and they're like, man, I wish I had some company. Like as a creative, someone to just be like, eh, that art that you're making, I think it could be a little spi a little bit more of a spicy meatball if you did this or this or this. Um, and that includes a bunch of different people. So so let's just hop in on, on kind of what that looks like. What do you say? So team building is essential to any meaningful work. Yeah, it really is. Um, you do not have all the answers. Your perspective is not ultimate. You do not have all the skills. And here's the number one thing when it comes to team building as an essential. You do not want to spend all the time it's going to take to do the things it's going to take to run a business doing all the things, especially when some of them are things you suck at or some of them are things that aren't even worth getting good at. Maybe you could become amazing at doing all your taxes. But why would you want to take on the liability? Why would you want to learn that skill? It probably is better for you and actually cheaper because time is money. So if you spend the time it would take to become a CPA level at finances, you could have just hired a CPA. You could have made a lot more money shooting weddings, all that stuff. So really it comes down to the people that you need around you they don't need to be employees or anything like that, but the people you need around your business to run it efficiently. And I can give you just off the bat, I think this is a, the team members that every wedding filmmaker needs. And I would, maybe some people wouldn't need one of them, but in general, I think we need a lawyer. Everyone needs a lawyer, get a lawyer early in your business, establish that relationship Make, fire them if they're not to your liking, but get a lawyer you like that you trust. A good second shooter, someone who you can count on to help you shoot weddings. There are a million reasons for that, which we'll get into, but like, no one I know who's doing this to any level doesn't have some people they go to for that. And then I think a CPA. Those at least, those three things at least, I think every single wedding filmmaker needs to have on their quote-unquote, team, 
and that doesn't mean employees or anything, but like, so this is why I would say team building is essential to every single wedding filmmaking business and to change your thinking a little bit, like not who are my employees. That isn't essential to every wedding filmmaking business, but team is. If you're like me, you know that music can literally make or break a wedding film. And finding that perfect song can be a frustrating and time consuming process. You need a song that drives your story forward, leaves space for your audio and images to breathe, builds up over time, and is just playing good. No Fear Musicbed has your back. I've literally been using Musicbed since they started in like 2011 or something, and they have been my go-to music licensing site ever since. I've used the other sites that you see floating around, but time and time again, I find myself coming back to Musicbed for the incredible quality of music across the board, their sheer volume of their library, and their killer customer support. And to make it even better, they offer an incredibly cost-effective monthly membership with unlimited song licenses for your wedding films. If you aren't already using Musicbed, you are seriously doing yourself a disservice but you don't have to take my word for how awesome this company is, you can grab a free month-long membership by following the link in our description. So head on over, sign up for a free month, explore their library, and use them for your next wedding film. You'll be glad you did. I, I kind of want to start at the very beginning where, where, you know, when you first start a wedding film business, typically you're finding out that now you do wear a million different hats you're your marketer, you are a salesperson, you are an editor, you're a shooter, you are a team manager. Um, you also need to be a little bit of a CPA. You, you just take on all these roles that honestly you didn't even know existed and now you're learning freaking QuickBooks and you're like, this sucks, I hate this. Uh, I wanna be doing art. Or I'm great at this and then you're terrible at it and then the tax man's like, give me all those taxes and you're like, yeah. duh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all the things. Yeah, and and especially when when you start a business, and you have to do all these jobs, and you're not making any money, right? You're making like great. I shot three weddings for you know a thousand dollars. I made three thousand dollars, and I just took on uh, eighteen jobs. Great, awesome. Um, it's a pretty that, bad deal when you think about it like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a raw deal for sure. <laughs> um, but you quickly realize, um, and I quickly realized when we started our business was like, how the heck do I fire myself from a majority of these jobs? And so quickly finding out what you're good at and what you're bad at is, um, is pretty important because I think that will be um, create a course for you to decide the things that you're like, hey, a CPA, dude, uh, we had um, Evan on a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wouldn't want to know what that dude knows. I, I just wouldn't want to invest the time. My time is better served in a million different places uh, than what he knows. I would rather hire someone like Evan. Uh, if you don't know Evan, go back and listen to that episode. He's an awesome CPA who was also a Camera filmmaker. Dad CPAs is YouTube Camera channel. Camera Dad CPA, awesome dude, um, cool YouTube channel, all that stuff. Uh, if you need help with that, definitely go over there. Uh, but for us, it was like, man, when can we hire a fantastic CPA to just do this for us? Um, so that was an obvious like move. We've been through some CPAs, and it took a while for us to probably find the one that worked best for us. Um, that was, um, yeah, actually wanted same, to do had the same the vision. Way. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't just yeah a, a schmuck late well, on our taxes every year. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, and and one that would respond to you. That that's pretty important to me too. So payroll company we quickly found out was important. Um, and and also, but at the same time, I, I don't want to say like you're going to hire someone and then never think about it again. Because I think this is a good general rule. 
generally you want to know about 50% of what your team knows. Like if I'm hiring a CPA, I at least want to know 50% of what they know, which is pretty easy when you think about it. Like run QuickBooks, know how to run a really basic budget. If someone has some insider skill, that's what you want the CPA for to like help you sharpen those skills. But you want to at least be able to have a conversation and direct your team. And that's something I learned when we hired a lawyer, when we hired a CPA, it was like, hey, I want to do my accounting this way. I want to write my contracts this way. You That's have to be difference. the person that gives them direction and they take it to the next level. This is why they're your team. Yes. They're your team because you're the boss of the team. And honestly, I was surprised by that, especially when we hired a lawyer. But when I was like, okay, do the lawyering. He was like, uh, what do you want? And I was like, oh, I get a say as to what the law is. He's like, no, but like, what, what are the things that you want to make your business sharper? And I'm like, how do, or oh. even like, he doesn't just immediately go like, and this is where I think this is why that garbage, I hate the advice. I'm not a lawyer, but, and they won't give you like, people don't give advice about anything legal and any kind of Facebook group because they think you're going to give, create liability. That's garbage. It's not true. Well, because the, the truth is you only have to say that if you're a lawyer, <laughs> like you only have to say, this is not legal advice, but this is something that some people, here's do. the thing. If about, you're not a lawyer, you don't have to preface it with that. No, the balancing statements because the truth is when you call your lawyer, you have to advocate for what you want. Yeah. So you know why the lawyer does the things that we want? Because we told him to. Mm -hmm. Because we want our contract to pro pro to protect us in this way. Yeah. He's not going to just write a contract for you that is going to protect you in all the ways you want and you yeah. can't just say to your CPA like, "Here's how I want to report this expense." Yeah. Great advice for we can get into the nitty gritty here. I won't, but like there are certain things that we do with our accounting, not illegal, not wrong, just stuff that they would never like. They would never know that some of the money that comes in in 2020 is going to be spent on contractors in 2021. Mm -hmm. They will never do it that way. Yeah. So that is my employee. They're my team, and I'm responsible as the team leader to tell them how to do it. Mm -hmm. So that, but. So anyway, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little. The point is, you're building your team. You're the leader. Yes. You're the leader of that team. You have to tell them what you want out of them and have a clear vision, which is really, I think, maybe takes experience and time. You're not always going to know this stuff right away. As you build your business, you're going to get more clarity on what you want these people to do for you. No matter what, though, you need them on your team, even if they're just doing whatever they normally do. It's better... Here's the thing about the two team members that we're talking about. And we'll talk about shooting next because I think that cares. Most people will probably care about that more than these other two. But a lawyer and a CPA do something for you that you could never do. And it's not necessarily write a contract or do your taxes. It's take liability. Mm -hmm. That liability basically means if you get sued, who is taking some of that blame? These two people legally have to do certain things for you. Now, given, you can still get sued. But, but at least you have some protection against it when you have two people who are responsible legally and they can't just do whatever. Yeah, that's just, true. So, so like that's a big deal. So the, I think the next thing people are going to think about is, okay, shooters, right? Everyone cares yeah. about that. Yeah. Having shooters that are on their team that are, have the vision they do. I, I, I really see that first group that we talked about as your core because they're the first people i think they're honestly the first people someone should hire and they're the last people 
someone will have on their team if their business is going down the tube. So that's like your core, CPA, accountant, lawyer. You should always have those all the time, no matter if you are by yourself or you have one employee or 50 employees, you should have that core. The second layer is obviously kind of like employees, right? Or, or, or kind of your shooting team? What, what, what would you say? Well, I would say like there's a third layer of, of shooting teams, but everyone at least needs a guy they can call and say, or girl, no. and say, hey, I need you to second shoot. Everyone probably already naturally has that too. Yeah. Like most people have those people, their friends, the people they know. Maybe for you, that's just a group of four or five friends. Mm-hmm. And you help each other out. Fine. That's fine. Yeah. Maybe it's contracted people. Maybe you go on Facebook groups and say, anyone want to help me? Maybe you have employees. Who knows? Yeah. But like for most people, they're running a business. They have one or two people that help them out. They shoot 20 weddings a year. Maybe it's their wife even but or husband or whoever. You need someone. Like imagine you break your leg. Yep. You know, just you got to have that other person who's involved in your business who knows kind of what you want to get out of a wedding day Yep. from a shooting standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that's especially kind of considering the evolution of, I think, a, a shooter and of a company is, um, you know, what's the next step? Like, okay, I'm going to shoot by myself. Say I have like 10 to 20 weddings. Um, I'm going to shoot and edit them all, my, all by myself. Sometimes you just need that next person that you just know. And you, you, like you said, you do just give them a call because you're like, shoot, you know what? Even though the couple didn't pay for it, or maybe they did pay for it. I need this guy to go cover this because I need to get some great shots of the groom to make this. This is a good question, actually. You know, that that's probably the next step for any videographer that really, at the end of the day, you just have a, you have a guy. So I have a question then. Yeah. Do you think anyone should build a business model around never having anyone else shoot with them? A um, pure, like, strictly solo, and I'm like intentionally strictly solo. Is there any pluses to that? No, I don't think so. I can't think of any. Um, you have the, to deal the, with the maybe super, one last person. But the super um, anal retentive like person will probably want to argue with us in the comment section about it. Like, I can never trust a person with my cameras or something like that. But I can't see any reason not to. I don't know. The any... benefits just outweigh any kind of risk in the, in this scenario of like I'm running my own business mm-hmm. and like just having a person ready to rock and roll. I mean, there's really you can't. It just it prevents you from doing so many different things. Like, well, think about the liability too. The yeah. lia- like that to me is the reason. Yep. It's a two part thing. A liability protection, and then the other part is, well, how the heck do I get someone who's actually I'm gonna trust if I never sh- like? Yeah. If the only time you called someone was when you broke your leg, mm-hmm. they're not gonna shoot the way you want them to shoot. Yep. Yep. So you have to shoot with them regularly, just so you have. It's like you're building in that safety blanket. It's true. And so I personally. Doesn't mean you should never solo shoot. Yep. That will happen. But, like, I would think you need to get somebody on your team. So, I think I stand by like everyone should have someone who they consider like on their team yep. or, or a group of people who can help second shoot. So, and I think a lot of people will ask the question after this, which is like, well, how do I find that person? Right. Like, what, where do they exist? Like, everyone that I know is a lead shooter, has their own business. Why would they want to help little old me? And, and I really think it comes down to just 
what's your network look like? Are you a schmuck who no one wants to work with, or are you somebody who cares about the filming industry and cares about it locally, not just like, oh yeah, I want to make more money for myself, or I want to, you know, become a big brand or whatever. Like, I mean, you if your work care is about, good, people are going to want to shoot with you. Yeah, the, I would, I would say that you know, there's people locally that I really love. Like, I will send them work all day long because I just think they're like super talented are good dudes. And if I'm fully booked, it's like, I'm going to send them work. Um, if I need help, I'm not paying them and say, Hey, what are you doing? Are you available? Um, you know, and then there are other people locally that I will not, but, but find your people. I think that's really important. It's all about relationships ultimately. But like, I think it depends on what you're looking for too. Like Mm -hmm. we're talking, we're using second shooter is a very, um, flexible term Mm -hmm. to mean someone who helps you shoot weddings. Yeah. And that could, you could build out a roster. You could say there's one position, second shooter. That one position is filled by girl A who owns her own business, guy B who's a random subcontractor who shoots for a bunch of people, and guy C who's your friend from high school who you used to shoot with and now he works at an accounting firm. Who knows? Like it could be those three people yep. are your second shooter, composite second shooter. Yep. Or it could be that you go, I need the same person at every wedding. Okay, maybe you need a different strategy. Or I want a bunch of second shooters because I'm going to build a studio out. And we'll get into that later. But I think initially, you just got to be able to fill that one roster spot, mm-hmm. which is second shooter. And I think like that's your base team. You know, yeah. Someone financial, someone legal, and someone to help you shoot. Yep. I think the next thing people look at team-wise, and a lot of people, I think everyone should at least have an option here, right? Because this will help you control volume and have a little sanity, which is, Editing, help editing. So what are some ways people can get help with editing? And by that, I mean, they're not doing all the editing themselves. What are some ways they can build that team out? Well, if you have a teenager, you can um, hold them back from school and you can train them to become a good editor. (laughs) That's one way. That's Um, what all the kids did last year instead of doing their remote schooling is they just edited. Yeah, yeah, and... Call of Duty because I was with them a lot Edit- of that time. Editing directly through <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, outsourcing right is is an option that I don't know. Is outsourcing a dirty word? No way. No, it's great. Yeah. I think that should be that's probably how most people are going to build that team. I would say it used to be a dirty word. Yeah. Now, um, I think it's a very practical uh, word that a lot of uh, wedding filmmakers are using and, and taking advantage of. Yeah, and uh, and and realizing that like, hey, this is different. Like, th- it, in my mind, doing post production in a um, filmmaking world is hard. It's it's a whole different thing than photo editing. It just takes so much more time. There are plenty of people out there filming plenty of weddings, outsourcing the majority of their work. I will never believe, by the way, that someone else can't edit someone's photos just as good as they can. Photos too. I think photos might be a little bit harder. To no be way. I think so. I think so. Uh, I think so. Based on my experience, but I think there are plenty of people who can do a great job. It doesn't mean you get it right right away. Yeah. But after a couple projects, you can get somebody to understand what you want, and like just edit the twenty ones that you're going to release yourself. Fine. But anyway, yeah. like in general, I think building a team to help you edit is is important. So you mentioned outsourcing. 
What are some other ways people might decide they want to build their editing team? Yeah, uh, ways that we've gone is is hiring staff, hiring even contractors to do some work, mm-hmm. um, and in-house contractors, in-house contractors to do uh, a range of edits, whether it's creative editing, whether it's um, kind of more doc editing, I guess. Yep, would be multi-camming, the term. culling. Yep. yep. That's um, another thing that I think well, we can get into it another date, probably. But like, when you think about your editing, can you break it down by job and hire people to only do individual parts of it? Mm-hmm. That could save you time. Like thinking differently about your tasks, yep. and then thinking, well, oh, no one can edit like I can. Well, can they call like you? Yep. Could you hire someone to just call your footage for you and save yourself like four hours? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you can hire your your cousin to do that like someone they don't know editing but they can pick good footage yeah but anyway i think like yeah you mentioned employees subcontractors and outsourcing i think those are pretty much it um but i think this the secret sauce is thinking about it on a per task and per product basis you know a lot of people for instance they will outsource all the boring edits they don't like you know, multicams, doc edits, things like that, then they will edit all their teasers and all their, like, the money stuff. Or, like, they can even get more granular and say, these are all my, like, A-level weddings that are, are, like, important to the brand that I'm going to release. These are weddings I'm not going to release. As long as they look like my style, I can outsource it. But, like, this is where things get complicated, right? Why do you think more people... What are some of the reasons? Because I can think of a couple. People maybe haven't considered adding anyone else, any editing help to their team? The first thing is um, a lot of people say, I've noticed, is they're like, well, I tried to hire one guy one time and he did a bad job. Therefore, teams suck. (laughs) Mic drop, like that's it. (laughs) It's like, yeah, uh, but the thing about people is, they're not you, <laughs> you know, and like, uh, and, and so I've seen a lot of people do that. And, and then they're like, well, no one's the artist that I am, except there are plenty of people out there that are probably a lot better than you, but I digress. Um, <laughs> and, Someone who edits full time could be better than a guy who edits 20 times a year. Yeah. What? The, I will say probably the main reason is there's not a lot of stick with itness in the industry of like, Hey, I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit to this person. And I'm going to bring them up so they literally become a better me in in a certain area. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why people are afraid of that, like it's it's both ways. They either suck or they become good and then they leave. So there's like the two things that in their mind they're like either they're terrible and you know what both of those come down to insecurity, leadership. That's true. It's yeah. really about like you are the leader of your business. You're yep. the freaking CEO. Like you're not you are an artist, okay? You are on one hand an artist. Maybe starving, maybe not, but you're an yeah. artist. On one hand. On another hand, you're the CEO. Yeah. You're in charge. You are the leader. Yep. For you to think that you can run a business and just say, I never want to develop any leadership skills at all yeah. is so naive and wrong th- wrong-headed. It's the wrong thinking because like, for you to really become all you can become, you don't need to become an incredible leader who's able to lead 28 people. Mm-hmm. That is not necessary. It's not everyone's path. There's, I'm talking like 
you might need to develop more leadership skills, though, than you currently have. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's okay. This job can demand that of you. Yet yep. you are still an artist and you can be all the things you want to be and learn how to explain the edit that you want to someone else. Learning to articulate your vision is part of art. Yeah. Like, wow, that, I don't understand the va- why that's more valuable if you just have some artistic vision that no one, that you can't even communicate. Yeah. I, I do think another part of it too is, is we're, we're artists, so automatically we're perfectionists, right, in a lot of ways. So it's like, if it isn't right the first time, say you have like, you hire someone, they're going to be doing an edit assist for you or an edit for you. And you're just like, you look at it, you're like, that's not, that's not what I would do. That's not what I would do. And so therefore it's a failure and I'm not going to release it. I have to go in and work on it. And I just have to do twice the amount of work because I taught the person and now I have to go in and do it anyways. Like the whole, like saying like, if you want something done right, you got to, you know, do it on your own. And I feel that way a lot, but then I look at myself and I'm like, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> so you know what? I'm just going to stick with it. I'm going to put my you know feet to the pavement and I'm going to keep on working on this person um, and, and working with them. And I'll tell you what, like we've kind of based our business on that. And now <laughs> I can tell you our team is freaking good. Like our team is. Oh, yeah. There I would love to just brag on our team. I don't want you to steal them. <laughs> they are just really good. Like to the fact that like when we brought on our lead editor, Kyle, like he didn't have a lot of editing experience at all, maybe a little bit here and there, just doing like church videos or something, but he didn't really have a lot of experience. I showed him three edits that I did. I had him sit next to me as I did an edit. And I'm like a fine. Barely editor. an editor. You're more of a creative, but you're not a I'm a creative. Technician. Yeah, I'm not not a technician at all. But I showed him the creative side, what I like to do. And Kyle is more of a te- much more of a technician, and but he's a good balance. And I was able to be like, "Hey, this is kind of what I do. Take it and run with it." And you know what? They were probably at first, probably like fifty percent of what I could do. You know, I just kept on pounding at them a little bit, like, "Nah, like this isn't." It only took a hundred weddings. It doesn't have the feel. You know, probably by edit number three or four, he was like ninety percent of what I was <coughs> as an editor. Because yeah. he had just worked on it, and it was all he was doing. Boom, 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 knocking out these edits. And I'll tell you what, a year from that time, he was 150% of what an editor I was. He was already better than me in a year. And, like, good. Because, you know what? Like, I freaking hate editing. Yeah. I don't want to edit ever. Like, I'll edit little things that are just, like, fun, and I can just be creative. But, like, I don't want to, I don't want that to be my job. Well, and the other thing is you actually, when you build your team out, you realize you don't have to give up control totally. No, there are still things. There are ways that I'm not as fresh as these guys. I'm, I'm still pretty technical in, as an editor and as a tech person, and I still walk in and be like, "Don't do it that way, do it this way." Yeah, and we're tweaking and and and, and just refining because it, 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 you go from being an editor to being a director. Yes, like, we more... are director producer now, and yeah. when we, you get to director producer role. You get more control and you have a better perspective on the whole picture, not just what the person in the edit bay is working on. You're able to be like, it made it didn't make me feel that way because I'm not as emotionally invested as they are, like working at it like eight hours one day, eight hours the next day. They're just in it. I can look at it from fresh eyes and be like, it's not hitting home. It's not me. punching here or you're doing yeah. a YouTube edit and I'll be like, this entire section is irrelevant. Cut it out. Yes. You know? 
I don't care about it. It was boring. That is the role of a director. And you as a business owner in a creative field, you are the director. Yes. Right? No no one Steven Spielberg is not an editor. No. And nobody goes like, oh, Steven Spielberg's editor is the filmmaker. But he knows eighty percent of what goes into editing and he well, has and who is more responsible for the film being good. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Steven Spielberg or the guy who cut the film. We're just so backwards in our thinking. It's mm -hmm. like the leader with the vision is more important. That's leadership. And that's how you got to think about it. It's like you're not giving up control by leading your business the way that freaking Steven Spielberg leads his films. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. actually taking it to the level of being a pro. And yep. so I'm not saying you there's anything wrong with editing all your own films. Yeah. That's cool. Especially if you love it. Yep. yep. If you really love it. Well, that, and, that, and that's the crux of the whole thing is like, what is your business plan? Like, mm -hmm. what is in the plan? What do you want to be doing for the next 10 years as a wedding filmmaker? Like, this is the important decision that you're making. Like, we talked a couple episodes ago about, like, uh, long-term goals, right? Like, part of your long-term goals should be, what do I want to be doing in five years? Like, day in, day out, do I want to be answering emails a lot? I don't. You know what I want to be doing? I want to be doing whatever I want to be doing in five years. <laughs> like, yeah. And, that and could you be... want to still be able to make money shooting weddings. Maybe you just yeah. want to shoot 20 weddings and still make yeah. 140 grand. And you don't mind spending 20 grand to get it made for you. Yep. Yep. I will say this. I think I can make an argument that every single shooter should have an outsourcing, at least an outsourcing studio, if not someone locally, who they have a relationship with. Same argument I'd make for second yep. shooters, which is, first of all, Maybe you don't want to scale in the way that like you're adding teams, but maybe you want to take five extra weddings that you never could have taken if mm -hmm. you had to edit them all. Yeah. A, so for your business. B, you have no idea when you're going to get COVID-19 for th like two months or some problem where you're, it's going to set your business back and you don't have the budget because you didn't plan on it and you have to build a relationship from scratch you want to just have that relationship that's like simmering, humming along. I would mm -hmm. say everybody, at least you should outsource like 10, 20% of your work. Yeah. Just so that you have a relationship with someone going. Yeah. This is one of the biggest pillars of this whole conversation about building teams is you have to prepare your teams ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just something like you can't just hire an outsourcer in the mid, like, Imagine hiring an outsourcer in the middle of September for us. When did we start building out our teams for the 2020 onslaught in 2021? Yeah, we started building it in freaking March. Yeah, last year when we were like, shoot, like we were rescheduling a lot of the people to 2021. We're going to have to build a team. That, that's the point is like, you can't, like, when we hired our lawyer, the first, one of the first things he asked us was like, are you in legal trouble now? We were like, no. He was like, good, because if you were, I would pretty much be ineffective because what's been done has been done. You've you know made the bed that you're about to lie in, so make it be a really comfy yeah, bed. Yeah, and you can probably fix it with tons of money. If you, right now... Maybe, yeah. Like, But maybe not. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Well, no, I'm sure you can get a shooter and editor with tons of money. But well, maybe you, you don't get have an editor, but but you you maybe you, not a shooter. You have to. It's it's about relationship when you work. Like if you want someone to create what you're creating. No, no, no. It would not it, be what you create. It would yeah. be bad. But it would at least you someone sure. would show up and do it. Sure, but With it money. wouldn't be what you wanted. It wouldn't be good, and it would cost you more money than it should. Yep. If you spend money when you don't have to to build security and safety as a business, you're being a leader. Yep. You're being responsible and then you're creating the ability to build it into the budget. Yep. And I would say the last reason people don't build these teams is they don't budget for it. Mm -hmm. Most people 
are like, oh, I have to spend, oh, I have to spend an extra $10,000 on editing. Why are you thinking about an extra? Why didn't you factor that into how you sold it? Mm -hmm. You should have budgeted that money at the beginning of the year. That's why you're not doing it because you didn't budget for it. Yep. Like 200%, right? And it doesn't have to be a $1,200 per like film edit with some editor who's like this elite. You might just find some people in Ukraine who do a great job mm -hmm. and per your clients are perfectly happy with and they cost you 300 bucks. Yep. This does go back to our, our budgeting conversation from last week is, you know, talking about each role as being a certain allotment of money, right? Mm -hmm. Like every time I do an edit, like I'm going to charge my company a certain amount of money that I'm going to take home for a salary. Like that's pretty important for you as a business, yep. like to, to understand your business that way. Because then you can just swap out that role for someone else. You already have the infrastructure to know how much that's going to cost if you have to, in a normal scenario, yep. um, hire out, right? And so you should be adjusting your pricing accordingly. Well, and I'm too, just telling you, way. this is stuff that we would do. Yeah. I'm not telling you, you can do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you what I would do, and I'm paranoid. I've had enough problems to know that, like, I spend money before I have a problem. So mm -hmm. we don't have like terrible em emergencies. We have problems, but because we think ahead and we build the team that we, and I would say like most things we're prepared for. Like we have a way of solving it because we've built the infrastructure. And that's really what we're talking about. Building your business, building your teams, uh, creating a solid foundation to handle opportunity, problems, some problems, but ultimately like the inability to claim an opportunity is a problem you really don't want. Like you don't want to just not take weddings because you're so backed up with editing. That's stupid. Like you can make twenty thousand dollars, and because you don't want to spend four thousand dollars on editing, you don't do it. Mm -hmm. Think about what you're doing. You're cutting off your nose to spite your face at that point. It's like just because you can't make the same amount of money on every wedding, you don't want to make like it's like just plan for it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because COVID nineteen I think exposed a lot of uh, people to a lot of different things. Um, one of them being, being this outsourcing conversation. Cause there's like, just like, shoot, like I'm not going to straight up, not going to be able to edit all these weddings next year. Um, so it really opened up the door to, you know, people like no backlog to just be able to work with people. And, um, hopefully it changes people's yep. ideas on, on running a business. Yeah. So that's the thing, the next tier, like we talked about CPAs, we talked about lawyers, some kind of shooting help yep. role of second shooter. Kind of then, second layer. Yeah, the and then onion. I think the next layer people would look at is your editing. And then I think the next part of your business that you're going to probably look at is probably just more shooters. And how does that break Associates, down? Associates. Associates. Right. It could be employees. Um, it could be just building a real roster of contractors, mm -hmm. building a studio. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things. And, and maybe you could... And, and maybe we'll talk about this, but maybe not. Maybe the next level beyond that might be adding help with sales yeah. or social media marketing, things like that. But I feel like before you get to that, you really need to get to a point where you're doing consistently multiple weddings in one day. Yeah, I think that's like the next like bridge some people don't want to cross okay. maybe, and that's okay. Let's talk about that bridge because I, I think there are some like warning signs before you cross this bridge that you should you should pay attention to because <laughs> they they're going to uh they're going to bite you like at least cross the bridge knowingly. Yes. Because 
you these are two different businesses. These are like two different hills that that you're going to live on. So one is the solar operator. I'm going to run my business. I'm going to do my weddings. You know, I think a lot of times this is the boutique person who's just like, I want to probably do less weddings and to raise my prices a little bit. That's the one hill, right? A very good business a model. A very good business model works for a lot of really fantastic videographers out there. Uh, I'm sorry, wedding filmmakers yeah. out there. What is wrong with you? Uh, cinematographers. I'm sorry. Jeez. Uh, is that the new We have to call them wedding cinematographers Wedding now. cinematographers. Uh, wedding uh, cinema masters. Wedding so, cinema makers. Yeah. Um, and then you have the studio model, or or if you hate people who run the studio model, the volume model, or whatever wedding degrading mills. term you want to use for uh, people like us. Um, <laughs> but you, um, there are the warning signs of like, okay, you are going to have to deal with frustration of dealing with other people on a whole nother level as soon as you cross this bridge, right? You're going to deal with failures and you're going to be out of control at times. Like that's probably some of the signs that as you're like walking up to the bridge, you're like, oh, do I, do I want to do this? Or I would love to shoot two weddings. That's twice as much money. Twice as much money. Oh, but, oh, this is going to be hell on earth at times. Like, um, maybe there's probably some ways you can mitigate it, but I think no matter what you're opening up the possibility of not having control. Mm -hmm. And that is important to know. Mm -hmm. That like you, given the better your leadership skills are, the more you willingly develop that skill, I think the easier this gets yeah. crossing this bridge. Um, and maybe some, maybe you'll be a great leader in the future. Maybe you're not that today. Whatever. Maybe this is what makes you a great leader. Maybe you start out terrible and you get screwed by your team so many times and you yeah. become incredible. So let's talk about some of the, um, I guess, some of the welcome brochures for, for the other hill, right? Yes. Like the, the, you, you got this letter in the mail asking you to move from California to Texas. And, <laughs> uh, in, in studio land, they're going to say, hey, you know, you know, in studio land, you can make a lot more money. Um, that's probably a perk. Let's talk about what some of the, the other perks. Why do you be. want a team? Why do you want why a do you team? want to build yes. your why do you want to create? Really, what we're talking about is creating scale versus price versus creating scale with volume and mm -hmm. teams. Mm -hmm. Why do you want this? First of all, the number one reason you want this is because it allows you to make a lot more money much easier. There are a lot more clients willing to pay a little less for their weddings than they are willing to pay for these other high-end weddings. Yes. That, to me, is the number one perk. If I want to make a million dollars, I can make it a lot easier by growing a bunch of teams than I can trying to... Do 10 weddings for $100,000 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I think the pathway to, um, to wealth that you don't have to just grind your body into a pulp to get is there. Even if you want to, even if you're going with a much smaller thing where you're like, hey, we have a studio with one associate team. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's just for you. It's almost like passive income. It's not truly passive because you do need to make sure the person is there um, and all that junk. I mean, there are people who we, we provide all the gear for us. So we have that added cost, but we do have control. For some people, they don't even provide the gear, they just book the wedding and then they, make sure the person knows their groove and knows what they want and they're comfortable with that. Yeah. And that's, that's important too. I think as our industry continues to grow, like wedding filmmaker studios continue to grow, you know, 
there is an emerging type of studio, uh, studios, I guess. Um, one is the one who's like just <laughs> the worst. <laughs> to me, that's it, a wedding mill. Yeah. To wedding, me, a wedding mill is like George Street. George Street, yes. They like call the, you the up. The pros. The you know. pros. What's the other one that I hate? Uh, NST out yeah. of New York. If you're listening Those, to this, I hate you. Yeah. Uh, who are just like literally hire anyone Never even looked at their work. There's a ton of those out there. Mainly, I don't like it. And they're like, we're just going to send someone we've never met before. Literally, we're going to hire them on Thursday before your wedding. And Well, and the client doesn't know Good luck. That's what I don't like about it. That is what is wrong with it. I don't mind at all. And if you're listening to this and you're like, why do you hate me? I hate you because (laughs) because what you're doing doesn't work. Like, inevitably, that person doesn't have a great experience. And then they go, wedding filmmakers suck. And then we freaking show up on the news yes. as an industry. Yes. It's like, I don't like that. I don't think it works. The other side, the other studio is like what? I, will, I just, before we move on to the other studio, the yeah, Copper Stallion. The Copper, Copper Stallion, Stallion Media. We haven't got to talk about them once on our show. I've been no. afraid about getting doxxed or something. <laughs> I think if you mention Copper Stallion Media, uh, it will bring a whole new level of interest to the podcast actually we could do one we could do a podcast of just talking about a story uh, we should do that let us know we, in the comments should, if you want us should. to do an episode about copper stallion but media. We, again copper stallion media would be i think lumped into that kind of group as well uh the second type is is the studio model that emphasizes um team and uh building of an actual consistent product yeah a brand identity like a real thing and it doesn't mean everyone has to work directly for you but they should at least know you yeah yeah they should be like a person that you've met in real life yeah (laughs) like i i would say when and and i would hope that we would fall into this category of like i do training with our team we do workshops with our team because our team is just hungry because they want to get better and they want stop go love to be able to do you know 200 weddings and keep raising prices every single year because it's just like we have a good vision i think and we have a good idea of like where we want the wedding industry to go and we've shown Um, up in their life enough that they know that we're there for them yeah yeah and we've given them careers like in the creative world that they probably wouldn't have had otherwise so it's just like i love our team like i will literally like go down for our team like and and I just care about them. I care about their families. Like we're trying to build a we culture. Four hundred and one ks. Like there's yeah. good there's good culture, and I enjoy being at work every single day. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um. And and it's just like rewarding. Hopefully, the idea is that it's rewarding for everyone involved. Like, because that's the kind of company that I would want to work for. And it's just like I think when you have just good people involved that aren't just pure megalomaniac capitalists, like. Um, which I think we are in a sense. <laughs> I want to make as much money as possible. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm not going to like sacrifice our character for doing that. Well, no, because right. I my core belief, and this is the difference between a good studio and a bad studio. Yeah. A bad studio is a bunch of cynical people that think it does not matter if their work is good. People will, are so dumb, they'll never catch on. Yeah. And, and people in the industry are so dumb, they'll always work for them. And that's how stupid they think you are. Mm-hmm. That is not good. Hopefully, we're not cynical like that. I don't think we are because I think we feel if we ever drop in quality if and if we start treating our shooters wrong, that will destroy our team. Yeah. 
and, and our couples and, and our, our couples, couples ultimately yeah. and my relationships in the industry of people I care about yeah. the, the planners I do care about yep. so I think really ultimately the win here is I can make we have I don't know what is in August we have a 14 day stretch where we have like I don't know 20 I don't, weddings I don't know Jason <laughs> You don't I don't want to talk about, about that. I don't want to think about it. It's it's June. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> a lot of weddings. Now, given it's stressful, but that's a lot of money. And we're able to generate that. We have, like, our shooters come. We hang every single person on our team. We have a personal relationship with. We are either mentoring them or providing a full-time job. Yeah. And that is our goal. And And, like, maybe for you, you're listening to this and you're like, I would love to be that for someone. Yeah. And this is really our, like, when we think teams, we think mentorship, mm-hmm. creating sustainable jobs in an industry that really has one job, which is solopreneur. Mm-hmm. We don't think everyone's a fit for that. We think some people would rather just be a shooter, or just be an editor, yeah. and they want the stability of a studio. I think uh, some other benefits of this, and I don't want to brush over these, um, is one, longevity, um, in addition to the money. Uh, it's not only something that's going to make you probably more money in the shorter term, it's also going to allow you to extend your career in the wedding film industry. Like how many of us really think that we're going to be shooting weddings as a 60 year old, as a 50 year old, as a 40 year old, like what are you going to be doing this in even like 10 years? Like what is your freaking game plan, dude? Um, Is it, you know, what happens when your knees give out? Like I'm six foot six. Like we don't really age well. (laughs) Like, uh, what's the plan? Um, and so I think when you run a team, you can switch your role around quite a bit. You yeah. can be like, if I need to sit and I need to edit, that's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to shoot, that's what I'm going to need to do. You can sell weddings um, until you're 60. I can I can spit game on the phone until I'm 60 or Zoom or whatever the young kids are doing at the time. I'll, 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 I'll You'll, you'll keep your hair nice and cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll wear, you know, the, the, the you know, whatever fitted, the hat of the day Stetson is. Stetson hat. Um, but then, um, but then also as a creative, right. The, 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 the last thing that I would probably think about is like, as a creative being around creatives and having that kind of nurturing, like iron sharpens iron kind of relationship that I think a lot of creative uh, creatives are missing out on, um, is a big part of running a studio that I love. That's like, the feedback I get from our film critiques. Mm. I'll sometimes get a message from someone. They're like, hey, it just helps me to hear from someone else. Imagine if you could do that every day. That's what we get to do. Like when yep. Caleb and I are working on a wedding film school video, and I'm like, I just thought of this intro. I mm-hmm. just read a script. I just made it something up. Yep. And then he was like, oh, that was funny. And then he went and did some shooting, and he took it in his own direction and put it on top of my thing. And now we have this new... Caleb and I have this way of creating funny things together where I come up with something and then he comes up with something and it's way better, way funnier, way more entertaining. I think the same thing with wedding films. Yeah. I did an edit for a client, a Huxley edit, and I edited it. I think it's a good edit. Um, We sent it over to to Kyle. I was like, hey, I don't have time to do this doc edit. They wanted a 15-minute like highlight film. You do it. His edit was very different than mine. I don't think he would have ever edited what I edited, mm-hmm. but his edit was awesome. Yeah. Very good. And it was very, it was great. And it's like, we get to, that client is getting such a good experience now. That's all I kept thinking when he gave me that edit. I said, what a great experience for this client. They're getting this wacky edit. 
that fits their personality. And then they're getting this um, very by the books, but really tight, clean storytelling. That will last a really long time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it was like the team is what makes a better experience for the client. That's our beliefs. And so we think even if they're not full-time employees, having some people at least like maybe there's another team member in here, which is just like sounding board. Mm-hmm. Who do you talk to? Who's your community? That's what we hope Wedding Film School can be for someone is like get someone on your team who can be accountability partner with being creative, who can help you keep your game up, who's going to tell you like you're lazy, you're getting lazy, you did the same edits. Get somebody. Maybe they're employees, maybe they're just your friends, but I think that's that's a big thing. Um, so building a studio, back to that. <clears throat> um, this is a big subject. And it's something a lot of people talk about. Again, some of you guys, hopefully you've like at least gotten this idea um, that you, you do have a team, even if they're not a studio. You do have a team. And hopefully you've listened to the whole series. You've built your business plan. You kind of have figured out what your business model is. And for some of you guys, you might be deciding as this has been going on, the business model I want is a studio model with multiple teams. We realize that's probably a small amount of you, but we wanted to do something that I think would add value to you guys. Um, Something we do, and we're perfectly happy to share some of the things that we do. So we're going to be doing um, something for you guys. Sorry, Do you want me to talk about the thing? Yeah, because you have a calendar. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so let I, me do it again. So we're going to be doing something for you guys um, who are interested in scaling your business using Teams. Yeah, yeah. I um really excited. Again, I said at the very beginning, like building Teams is one of my personal passions because literally, again, I just love our team so much. And like, I feel like, that's my creativity nowadays is like finding ways to fit them together. It's like a freaking puzzle piece um, to get the most productivity out of them. Like, it's awesome. Like, I love it. Isn't it um, so fulfilling when somebody just levels up right in front of you? Yeah. Literally, like the people we're working with are becoming working industry professionals and like going out and like doing real production. It's pretty and, like, incredible. Crushing it. Um, and working with us and just seeing them become working professionals is, is awesome. But, um, we want to, um, yeah, do do a thing. So what we're going to do is we are going to do uh, a Facebook Live. Is it Facebook Live that we wanted to hop on? Uh, I, how about this? How are we going to do this? Go to our website and go to weddingfilm.school forward slash workshops. Yep. And then sign up there. And wherever we tell you it's going to be, it's going to be. It's either going to be a Facebook Live or YouTube Live, something or a Zoom or something. But we're going to do a workshop. Yep. So this episode is, hopefully you're watching this um, on the 8th of uh, June, 2021, for those of you listening years from now. <laughs> um, uh, but we're going to be doing a workshop the week after. This is going to be on June 14th, 15th, John, June 15th. Uh, why don't we say 1 p.m., wherever that is? 1 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to be doing a quick um, one-hour workshop on how to build teams and and kind of answering people's very specific questions um because i think uh, a lot of people feel like maybe they have like a lid 
over them. They're like, I can't, I, how do I find this person? Maybe that's something that you're dealing with. Like, I can't find a reliable person. How do I find people? Like, people are out of work. No one wants to work nowadays. Um, how do I find that person who's hungry? Um, there are ways that have worked for us yeah. and, and that I've found really successful, like just going out and finding um, people. Uh, what those roles could be, like what are the roles? How? What are the things that I'm trying to train this person to do uh, when I'm bringing them on? How do I know this person's going to be quality? Not to say we're going to get into covered. all of these topics, but this is a lot. Ask, yeah, you can ask about them. Yeah, they, I'm just priming you on the stuff that I know, so you guys ask these questions, but uh, <laughs> you don't ask the actual hard questions. Um, basically, all things team related. These are the things that we're hoping to. Yeah, basically, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to give a little presentation on our style of team management. Yeah, kind of tell you what we do a little bit. Um, and then give you an opportunity to ask questions about team building. Here's the point. I want you to sign up for this, not because you want to do teams, but because you owe it to yourself to start exploring ways to grow your business. And this is what I'll say. You should at least explore it because one of the number one things I hear from people about like team building is like, oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's so much work for managing people. Oh, no one could do it like I could. And I'm telling you, like, until you've at least explored it, you really don't know that. And you owe it to yourself to start exploring other ways to grow your business, to create a retirement strategy for yourself. Maybe it's even starting a secondary brand with teams. Like, we do that as well, by the way. Yeah. Like, you should at least invest some time. I think every creator should explore the idea of building out associates, building out teams, booking multiple weddings on a day. Like it's only natural and very few brands I think actually shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. Like if I you're agree. at the very top of the game, yep. maybe you shouldn't do it. If you're so new that you don't really have anything to offer someone, maybe you shouldn't do it. But I think people in the middle should at least explore it. So I'm, this is my pitch to you. We do it. We do it at a high level. We're willing to t help you do it, and we're going to do it for free. So why not explore it and at least see if, if it's a good fit, fit for your business? And it's free. Like, we're going to give this away to you because we want to help you grow. And so we're talking June 15th, 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, go to the website. Go to weddingfilm.school forward slash workshop. And on there, you can sign up for this workshop. You can get plugged in, and you can at least – um, get in the conversation. Yep. Right. So hopefully this has been helpful for you, no matter where you are in your creative journey. Um, I think the point of this guys is, uh, of, of the wedding film school show in general is to just spark some ideas on how to grow your business, how to grow your creativity, um, how to create a lasting business plan for yourself. So hopefully not just this episode, but the entire series has been helpful uh, in the growth, in the maturity of um, your business in general. Yeah, and if this is your first episode in the series you've listened to, there's a ton of downloads that you can go check out, weddingfilm.school forward slash resources. We got budgeting tools. We have um, just forecasting tools. We have all kinds of things that go into creating a great business plan. And they're valuable on their own. But the whole point of them is hopefully they've helped you do the big goal, which is create a business plan, which you need all the information in these various podcasts 
to create a business plan. There's elements of a business plan. Today's episode is team. You got to figure out your team, but there's a lot of other stuff. So if you, this is your first episode, go back and listen to the other ones because I think it'll help you. Yep. Uh, as usual, guys, you can find the Wedding Film School show anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, all that fun stuff, as well as on YouTube. Uh, you can watch our beautiful shining faces every single week. We are releasing Tuesdays uh, throughout the day. Do we have a time that we release usually? I'm still experimenting uh, uh, with what has the best effect. Tuesdays it, it'll is, always the, be Tuesdays. is the drop days. Yeah, it'll um, always be Tuesdays. And then also, you can find just fantastic regular video content on YouTube. We have an awesome show every single Thursday night, um, usually at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern. Eastern um, and that we are reviewing people's films. If you want to have your film review, uh, this is a big element of Wedding Film School is we do film critiques. Uh, you want to make sure you're submitting your film, uh, becoming a WFS member so that you boost your film up the line so you can actually have your film reviewed. Starting to get a little bit more um, uh, interest there so uh, become a member definitely boosts you up um, lots of ways to get involved in wedding film schools um, and like Jay mentioned visit the website all that stuff as well as the Facebook group Facebook group is where we are interacting with uh, other filmmakers and this is just basic place where people can ask questions and ask other wedding filmmakers what they do in certain scenarios so um, guys thank you for listening to the wedding film school show it's been awesome having you we'll see you next week right here wedding film school